with Corbin Carroll officially locking up the Rookie of the Year award, did he just have the greatest rookie campaign in the National League since 2000? You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. I'm your host, Miller Thomas, been hosting the Locked on Dimebacks podcast since 2020, and now the D-backs have maybe their greatest and most difficult offseason ahead of them on the heels of a World Series appearance. We're going to be talking about Corbin Carroll a whole lot on today's podcast, winning Rookie of the Year. Did he have the greatest campaign since 2000 in the National League? Um, Corbin Carroll, can he win the MVP next season? Then we'll wrap it up with Zach Gallen. Is he going to win the Cy Young Award this year? So very award-heavy podcast for you guys today. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you. So please continue to subscribe on Lockdown Diamondbacks and wherever you listen to Lockdown Diamondbacks, streaming on all podcasting platforms. But now let's get into our conversation and talk about Corbin Carroll, because this man, it's official rookie of the year. Corbin Carroll is how we're going to refer to him now because he ran away with the award, which surprises no one. Got every single first place vote unanimous. And honestly, if anyone had given him a second place vote, you would have to knock down the door. That guy busted down and been like, what is wrong with you? Get that man drug tested because... This was an award that was going to Corbin Carroll's every step of the way. And I think there was even a couple of sports betting books that was paying this uh, futures bet out like a couple months before the season even started because Corbin Carroll had this thing like locked up by the All-Star break. And now we have to ask ourselves a question. After Corbin Carroll won that Rookie of the Year award, after going to the World Series in his first rookie season, going to the World Series in his rookie season, is Corbin Carroll, did he just finish the greatest rookie campaign since 2000 among National League players? That is the question I'm asking you guys and the question I'm going to be answering today because we all know how historic this rookie season was for Corbin Carroll, but let's actually put it into some perspective because there's only four, four Rookies ever that have ever had a higher fan graphs war than Corbin Carroll, the six that he just put up this past season. Aaron Judge, 8.8. Mike Trout, 10.5. Chris Bryant had a 6.1 to Corbin Carroll, 6. And then Albert Pujols, 7.2. Those are the only four rookies ever since 2000 to have a higher fan graphs war than Corbin Carroll. So he's already in rare air. When you just compare the season he had with everyone who's won the award since 2000, and those names, Aaron Judge, definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. Mike Trout, first ballot Hall of Famer. Albert Pujols, no doubt Hall of Famer. Maybe Chris Bryant isn't going to the Hall of Fame, but multi-time All-Star, MVP, like 
Chris Bryant has had a fantastic career, and there's a reason why the Rockies were like, let's pay this man over $20 million a year. So when you look at the dudes who've had arguably better seasons than Cormac Carroll off the Fangraphs war, like those are Hall of Famers, all-star MVP type players. So just the fact that Corbin Carroll's already in this conversation in this conversation already, I just think tells you the kind of talent that Corbin Carroll is. And the only two players that have had a higher Fangraphs war in the National League since 2000 is Chris Bryant and is Albert Pujols. So you can already say it was a top three season for Corbin Carroll among all rookies in the NL since 2000. But could you say it was the greatest rookie season for a National League player since 2000? That's the question that I want to answer because despite having a .1 war better than Corbin Carroll, I think Carroll had a better rookie season than Chris Bryant. And Chris Bryant also had three points. Chris Bryant was also three points better in the WRC+, Plus, but... Both of those, the WRC plus and the war, minimal advantages when you look at those stats. But then when you look at just the traditional stat lines for both of those guys, like Carroll kind of wipes the floor with Chris Bryant. Like the slash line across the board, average OPS, Carroll better than Chris Bryant across the board. Um, Way less strikeouts. Like Chris Bryant led the league in strikeouts as a rookie, 199, 30% strikeout rate humongous Corbin Carroll 20% strikeout rate as a rookie and Carroll had one less home run than Chris Bryant who's considered a power bat but he had 41 more steals I think offensively Carroll pretty easily had a better season than Chris Bryant when you look at the num- when you look at the traditional numbers and even some of the advanced numbers and even though Chris Bryant was also a good defender as a rookie. So was Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll is one of the better defensive outfielders in Major League Baseball this past season. So when I look at offense and look at defense from the regular season, I think Corbin Carroll, you could say, had a better regular season than Chris Bryant. And for this exercise today, I'm not just looking at the regular season. I'm looking at the entire rookie campaign for this argument from start to finish. Who has been the best National League rookie since 2000? I think regular season, you could put Carroll above Chris Bryant. Then we look at the postseason. That just solidifies it because Chris Bryant in 2015, his rookie season, did not have a good postseason. So I think already, Carroll, you could say, second best rookie season all time in the National League since 2000. And then now you're going to compare him to Albert Pujols. And listen, Pujols clearly had a better regular season than Corbin Carroll. Over 1,000 OPS, near 40 home runs, near 50 doubles, 130 ribbies, fourth in MVP voting. Like, Pujols was insane that regular season. But we aren't just talking about the regular season like I just said. We are talking about the whole season. So let's bring up the playoffs. Because Pujols had the second worst average on his team that lost in the NLDS in 2001. And who did his team lose to in 2001 in the NLDS? The Arizona Diamondbacks, of course. Pujols, fantastic regular season, but he only had two hits in that NLDS, a 111 average, struggled in the playoffs when his team, when his team needed him most. He went cold in the playoffs. Meanwhile, Car- uh, meanwhile Corbin Carroll, 
absolutely carried the D-backs the first two rounds of the postseason before admittedly hitting a wall. But those first two rounds, he was 7 for 17. And then, of course, we get to the NLCS. He struggled in the NLCS, but came through Game 6 and Game 7 to push the D-backs through the World Series. Corbin Carroll is at least playoff-proven based off his rookie campaign, and you couldn't have said that from what you saw from Pujols or Chris Bryant in the postseason. Carroll can't touch the rookie seasons that an Aaron Judge or Mike Trout has had because those guys, all-time, all-time rookie seasons. And even the National League, you can make a case like Pete Alonso. Maybe he had a better rookie campaign than a Corbin Carroll. But that's only in the regular season because, of course, Pete Alonso didn't make it to the postseason in 2019. But when you look at start to finish, NL rookie since 2000, I think Carroll, when you look at the numbers straight up, better than Chris Bryant, at least in my eyes. Pujols, he clears when you're talking about regular season, but he went ice cold his first taste of the postseason. That didn't happen for Corbin Carroll. His first 17 at-bats, he had seven hits carry this D-backs team the first two rounds of the postseason. And of course, we know Corbin Carroll, first rookie ever, 25 steals, 50 home runs, never been never been seen before. No one can take that away from him. So when you think of the players in the game right now that you would actually compare the trajectory of the career Corbin Carroll's on right now, you're talking about guys like Mike Trout and Ronald Acuna. And he's already tasted the postseason, already has more playoff experience than those two. Of course, Acuna was there this past season, but he really wasn't there for the World Series that they won, right? He was hurt recovering from injury. Mike Trout has one career playoff hit. So when you think about the kind of players that Corbin Carroll gets compared to, the power speed guys like the Trouts and Acuna, he already has more playoff success than either one of those guys, which I think um, is only going to help him in his future because coming into next season, I want to see how Corbin Carroll is going to respond after getting praise this whole rookie campaign and coming off the Cinderella run to the World Series. How is Corbin Carroll going to follow that up with his sophomore campaign? Will he run into a sophomore slump because he got content where he was and he enjoyed the compliments too much? I don't think that's going to happen. I think with Corbin Carroll, with what we saw this past year, I think he's going to come into the year even hungrier. Knowing how close this team was to winning the World Series, I think he's going to be even better heading into next season. And let's just say it, let's just put it on the record. When you look at the regular season, when you look at the postseason for all NL rookies since 2000, I think Corbin Carroll has had the best rookie season among NL players since the year 2000. And if Corbin Carroll gets minimally better, and the team gets minimally better next season, I think Corbin Carroll has a chance to win the MVP just a year after winning the Rookie of the Year. And we'll talk about Corbin Carroll potentially winning the MVP next season and what he has to do. But if you want to place a futures bet on Corbin Carroll to win the MVP award next year, the best place to do that is FanDuel. Because Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. 
There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. My favorite thing to do is the same game parlay. Whenever the Lakers are playing, I take LeBron over on points, AD over on rebounds, and the Lakers' money line. That doesn't always hit, but when it does, I love seeing that deposit in my bank account. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Let's talk about if Corbin Carroll can win the MVP next season. It might seem tough considering he's still super young, right? Still like 23. How old is Corbin Carroll? He is 23 years old right now. Coming off the rookie campaign, like how often do players coming off a rookie of the year win the MVP next season? Well, it's happened a few times in Major League history. It's happened like six or seven times. I don't I don't have the exact number of how many times it's happened. I got the article here. I wrote down three players since 83 have gone back-to-back, which is like the only number I care about because baseball, they got history back to like the 1890s. Like I'm not talking about Bobby Beback in 1919 who went back-to-back. Like I don't care about that guy. Let's keep it a little bit more current. That's why I stopped at 83. Only three players since 83 have gone Rookie of the Year MVP back-to-back. Ryan Howard, 05-06. Dustin Pedroia. 0708 and then a man who we just talked about Chris Bryant 2015 2016 now going back to back is not going to be easy right especially when you consider the talent in baseball like sports in general it's just a good place right you hear about the NBA potentially expanding because you look at every roster every team is deep you look at the NFL I mean the quarterback situation has been pretty wacky this year but I think at least in terms of talent on each team the skill groups I think they're deeper than ever and then when you look at baseball I think baseball you could say the talent pool is as deep as it's ever been especially when you look at some of the rookie of the year finalists and the candidates for this year like a guy like Spencer Steer may not even crack top five in voting or I don't think he did and he had himself a fantastic rookie season so it's like I think the talent pool right now is so deep in Major League Baseball. I think it could be tough for Corbin Carroll to go back-to-back just because of the talent level that we see in the National League. And especially if a guy like Shohei Otani comes to the National League, yeah, that will make it even tougher. But let's assume Otani is not coming to the National League next year and how Corbin Carroll could win the MVP in 2024. Because... Only three MVPs since 2000 in the National League have had a baseball reference war below seven. 05, Ryan Howard. 06, Hemi Rollins. And 2021, Bryce Harper. For Corbin Carroll to potentially take home the MVP next year, he's probably going to have to be in that seven and a half, eight war range. Like, you kind of have to put up. I mean, of course, you're winning the MVP, the most valuable player. So, You kind of have to put up video game historic type numbers. Like when you think about some of the players that have won the MVP, specifically the last two, like what did we just see, right? Rondo Acuna this past year, 40-70 season, like 40 home runs, 
70 stolen bases, led the league in hits, OPS. Like, go look at the baseball reference for Ronald Acuna this past year. A lot of black. Like, he had himself one of the greatest regular seasons of all time. So, like, that's the kind of stuff that Corbin Carroll is going to need to do if he wants to win the MVP. Going to have to do something like something similar that we just saw around Acuna do. Paul Goldschmidt, the year before, right? Former friend of the D-backs, former face of the franchise. Paul Goldschmidt nearly won the Triple Crown. 35 bombs, elite defense, speedster for a first baseman. Like, when you look at the stats that some of these MVPs have put up the last decade plus, like, yeah, they're video game numbers. You usually have to, you usually have to do something borderline historic to win the MVP. And Corbin Carroll is coming off a historic rookie season. 25 home runs, 50 stolen bases, only player ever to do that. Now, I think there is more juice left in the carton for Corbin Carroll for him to get to that MVP level. I don't think he's done improving. This is a guy who is just always going to be in the gym, always being in the in, in the batter's cage, always talking to his hitting coach. He is someone that is constantly trying to improve himself, and I think it's a big reason why you could bet on Corbin Carroll to potentially win the MVP next season. And considering his rookie season and the guys that we said were better than him, since 2000, the guys that we said have had a higher war than him, the the Chris Bryans, the Pujols, the Trouts and Judds, like all those guys have won at least one MVP, if not multiple MVPs. So it would actually be disappointing if Carroll didn't win at least one MVP in his career. I'm not saying it's going to happen next year, but it would be very ha- it would be very nice, and I would be very happy if Corbin Carroll did win the MVP next year. And for him to do that, he's probably going to have to increase his numbers across the board. Maybe if Corbin, maybe if Ronald Cunha doesn't exist, Corbin Carroll would have been an MVP finalist this season. But he's probably going to have to get a little bit closer to those Ronald Acuna numbers to be in the MVP race next season. I think it's very possible for him to do that. Could Corbin Carroll put up 30 home runs, 60 stolen bases? I for sure think he can. He was 26 home runs, or I think 25 home runs this year. Could he tap into five more? Yes, he can. He had 18 home runs in the first half this year, only seven in the second half. If he can just do what he did in the first half, in the second half, that's almost 40 home runs. 54 stolen bases on the year. Just tell Torrey to send him a few more times. Get a little bit more aggressive. He will easily hit that 60 stolen base benchmark. A 300 average. That's pretty much a must. Every MVP pretty much bats over 300. I know people don't care about average anymore in modern baseball. You look at MVPs, all those guys, 300 average. You need a 900 plus OPS. Like You just have to put up elite offensive numbers. A guy like Corbin Carroll, a speedster, Probably has to be top three in runs as well. And even though he played really good defense this past year, when you look at the metrics, he was still like a fringe top 20 guy and most defensive stats for outfielders. So if he can be more top five to top 10 in most defensive categories, get his name a little bit closer to the Dalton Varshows than the Kevin Kiermeyers of the world, I think that would definitely help out his war because I think his war was probably hampered more by his defense than any other part of his game. And considering he's a good defensive player, like 
That is the reason why I think the ceiling is even higher than what we've already seen for Corbin Carroll because I think defensively there's still another level for him to go um, into. And honestly, the area of the game he needs to work on the most is probably the clutch hitting because Corbin Carroll, that was like an all right area for Corbin Carroll this past season, but it can definitely be better. Slightly below 800 OPS with runners in scoring position and a 764 OPS with two outs. Like, he just needs to be way better in the clutch. I need Carroll to be feared when coming to the play with runners in scoring position. He's not going to be Barry Bonds, but you have to feel like it's a Ronald Acuna, someone that uh, a Mookie bets. I think Corbin Carroll is close to those guys. I mean, he is close to those guys in terms of talent, but in terms of stature in the game, he's not feared like those guys are right now. That's probably just a sample size thing. And if Corbin Carroll keeps doing what he's doing, he will be feared like those guys. But he has to come through more in the clutch because those guys are monsters when there's men on the bases. And Corbin Carroll was good, but not great in those situations this year. I also think it would help if the D-backs were really good next year. I know baseball does not care about team records. It's a team sport. That's why Mike Trout wins the MVP every year. But I think if the D-backs are 89 to a 93 win team next year, fighting for the division with Corbin Carroll leading the way, that will only help his case. He's already one of the faces in Major League Baseball, one of the most dynamic athletes in the sport. And if Carroll and the team can both improve next season, I don't see a world where he's not a finalist for the MVP. Now we'll talk about another finalist for award this season, Zach Allen, and his potential chances of coming home with the Cy Young Award this season. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lock on Diamondbacks podcast, and let's talk about whether or not Zach Gallen can win the Cy Young Award this year because, listen, I've been saying for uh, you know a couple months now that uh, Zach Gallen might have fallen off, might have fallen out the Cy Young race, and I was saying for a while that he probably shouldn't be a finalist for the Cy Young, so I was actually kind of surprised when I saw MLB announce Zach Gallon as a finalist because, honestly, I think that was more because of what they saw from him in the first half without really watching second half Zach Gallon. Like, I think Gallon has built himself a nice reputation the last few years, the scoreless inning streak. Like, I think there was a lot of built-in stuff with Zach Gallon as to why he was named finalist uh, compared to what his actual performance was. Like, I think right now the idea of Zach Allen is probably better than the pitcher that we saw the last three months of the season. Because if I'm being honest, I would not have named Zach Allen a Cy Young finalist for this season. And you might think I'm crazy because you look at the numbers, Zach Allen still put up very good numbers this year. Despite how disappointed I was with how Zach Allen finished the season, he still put up very good numbers, good enough for him to be a finalist. 3-4-7 year array, 7th in the National League, finished 2nd in innings pitch, he had a pretty good whip, top 10 there, like, 
he was pretty much top seven to ten to five in every major offensive category or not offensive pitching category for pitchers in the national league innings pitch strikeouts he was top three whip like you look at everything all the numbers that you want your pitcher to be in he was top five seven and everything but I can't get the taste of the second half of the season out of my mouth and with the D-backs fighting for that playoff spot this D-backs team was spiraling after the all-star break right this team was way below 500 at one point they were like 5 and 22 post all-star break and we needed Zach Allen multiple times to stop the run for the D-backs stop the slump for the Arizona Dimebacks and repeatedly Zach Allen was not getting it done we could not look at Zach Allen and ask him to stop the bleeding which is what your ace is supposed to do that's why it was so frustrating it's why I feel like he shouldn't be a Cy Young finalist because I know what the best version of Zach Allen is. We saw it just last year, 2022, 2-5-4 ERA, fifth in Cy Young voting. And last year, I was like, fifth in Cy Young voting? He should have easily been named a finalist. If not the, I mean, Sandy Alcantara should have won it. But I was like, Zach Allen was the second best pitcher in the National League last year and he finished fifth in Cy Young voting. This year, I think his season has been way worse than what it was last year. You could say it was the second worst season he's had in a D-backs uniform, and he's being rewarded with a Cy Young finalist. I'm not going to be too mad that he's going to finish top three in Cy Young voting. I'm just not sure how deserving it is because as it currently stands, I'm not even sure Zach Allen was the best pitcher on his own team by the end of the season because definitely if I'm looking at it from start to finish and I'm counting if I'm counting the postseason as well I would say from start to finish Merrill Kelly had a better overall MLB campaign than Zach Gallen but of course you only care about the regular season when doing this and so for Zach Gallen he had four more starts than Merrill Kelly a way larger workload which I think helps him a lot but Merrill Kelly's stats are right there with Zach Gallen ERA plus is better than Gallon. ERA straight up is better than Gallon. Strikeouts per nine was slightly better than Gallon. Um, so you look at a lot of the numbers, they were right there with Zach Gallon. And I think by the end of the season, I definitely trusted Merrill Kelly more than Zach Gallon. But if you want to say Gallon was the better pitcher on the staff, I'm not going to quibble too much or argue too much about that. And then I look at the field as well. And like the field was strong. Like Kodai Sanga. He's not a finalist, but I thought he was deserving second in ERA as a rookie. Better strikeout numbers per nine innings and better strikeouts. Um, or where did he finish? Oh, Senga didn't have more strikeouts than Zach Allen, but a higher strikeout per nine than Zach Allen. You look at a guy like Corbin Burns, better ERA, more innings pitched than Zach Allen. A guy like Justin Steele, I thought he was going to be one of the finalists named. I think it was because... He just didn't have as large of a workload as some of the other guys um, who, was, who was named. But 16 wins, third in ERA. Like, I'm surprised Zach Allen was named a finalist. And I think a lot of it was just because of what people saw from him in the first half, starting the All-Star game, and then still some carryover from 2022. Like, I, I think by the end of the season, Zach Allen was more name than production, especially when I... Think about what he did in the months of July and September. 
just wasn't very good those months. But hey, he's going to at least finish third in the Cy Young voting. I think that would be a very cool stat to look back when you look at Zach Allen's baseball reference. You're going to be, oh, he was third the year that they went to the World Series, ace of the staff. That's just going to be a great little mark on his resume. And I still think Zach Allen is going to win a Cy Young Award in his career. I don't think it's going to be this year. I think it could have been this year if he had a better second half. But Zach Allen and Corbin Carroll to potentially each take home an award next year, I'm definitely going to be placing some futures bet on FanDuel when those odds come out. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.